0: So before Elijah comes and speaks with us, I just wanted to formally introduce him to you. Most of you, most all of you know Elijah Norris and his family, Uh, his wife Elizabeth, their daughters Cadence, his son Altman, and Rayleigh. Um, Rayleigh, you are just precious. How old are you? Four. Wow. Pretty soon she'll be 19. Elijah and Elizabeth are here. They're they're part of us, y'all. They're members at Southside Baptist Church. And now you know this church supports them. Not the only church that supports them, but we support them so that they can take the gifts and the calling God has given them and go into the darkness in a place that that you and I are not physically going, but we are going with them by helping to send them. So, brother, uh, thank you for being here. I want you to come and you preach to your heart's content, okay? Amen. All right.
1: All right. Thank you, buddy. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good, good. At our, I, and I apologize if I share things this morning that I've already shared with you. I know we shared for about 10 minutes when we first got back uh, that uh, first Sunday. And then I uh, spoke at the men's ministry as well, so you may hear a couple things twice. But one of the things that we do at our church in Ecuador that I really love is our field team leader who's leading that church and pastoring that church, and uh, we're praying for a local national um, to come up and take the lead of that church and pastor that church. But one of the things he does when he starts every morning is he says, como estamos, which means how are we? And everybody says, bendecidos, which means Blessed. And they say it at the top of their lungs. We're blessed. Because no matter how we woke up this morning or what's going on in our lives, just as we sang about, we have the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have breath in our lungs. We have hope for a future of eternity. And we're blessed because of those things. Right? So, how are we? Blessed. Blessed. Amen. Amen. All right. Um... I'm going to do something a little different than I've been doing in some of the other churches this morning. I'm just going to jump straight into the scripture, uh, just feeling led to do that. My, my plan was to kind of share some photos and give you an update of what we've done over the past year, and then kind of where we're going next, and then ending with some scripture. But I'm going to start out with scripture this morning, just feeling led to do that this morning. Um, but it, Yeah. Sure.
0: So, and I apologize for this, but for any children that are going oh. out to children's worship, uh, you can do that now, okay? I, I really apologize. No worries. No
1: okay. worries. All right. All right, kiddos. Head on out. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21 is where we're going to share just briefly. If you'd just give me just a few minutes on that, and then I'll jump into the... The, giving the update of what the Lord's done in our lives over the past year and a half. <clears throat> so I'm going to reread here, 517 through 21. It says, Therefore, and we know that therefore points back to everything we just read with Joel, right? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Go to the Lord and pray with me this morning. Father, we just thank you for your word. Lord, I'm just so grateful that I don't have to sit around wondering, waiting for a word from you, Lord. I can just open the Bible up, and it's there already for me. And all I have to do is read it. And I can learn more about you, I can learn more about me, I can learn more about Christ, Lord, the gospel message. And God, there's so many people today who can't do that for different reasons. But Lord, I'm so grateful that I can. Lord, I'm humbled that you would choose us, Lord, to be your messengers of this gospel message, to take this good news to the world, to the nations, to our neighbors down the street, to everyone, Lord. Lord, help us to feel the gravity of that. Help us to feel the weight of that. Help us to feel um, the responsibility of that and the privilege of that, Lord. And God, I pray that above all this morning, Lord, that you are glorified in everything that is shared. God, that we're not sharing our journey, Lord, but we're sharing your journey and what you're doing through us. And God, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins so that we could be reconciled to you. In your name we pray, amen. So as Joel mentioned this morning, we could spend a ton of time in this passage. and You really could preach a whole series off of this and dive really deep into this. There's so much meat in there. Um, But again, I'm just going to briefly kind of cover and hit some of the highlights of this, verses 17 through 21. And so Paul is writing to the church in Corinth here, and he says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So first off, what does it mean to be in Christ? What does that mean? Well, put simply, that means that we have submitted ourselves to Christ. We have acknowledged that we are sinners and that we need the redemption that is found only through Christ, that we have turned from our sin, we have repented from it, Meaning, we didn't just stop it, but we turned from it, and we're following Christ by putting our faith in Him and the work that He did on the cross for for us. That means that we are in Christ, and Paul says we are a new creation if we are found in Christ. And many of us today, that maybe what we need is to be made new. To be made new. Be born again, as the Bible puts it. Why do we need to be born again? Because we need to be born again into righteousness. And when we submit to Christ, we make him the Lord of our lives. We are born again into righteousness. So that when God looks at me now as one of his children, he doesn't see the sin and the past sins in my life. He's now looking at the blood of Jesus that covers all of that, and he sees the righteousness of Christ that the Bible says is imputed to me, that covers me. And that, I'm, that excites me, guys, to know that when, when God looks at me, because I've got a past, we've all got a past, we've all have things that we've struggled with, but when God looks at me, that's not what he sees. That's not how I'm identified as, by those sinful acts, those sinful things that I struggled with. But he sees the righteousness of Christ that covers me. He sees me as his son. I'm a new creation. And at this time of year, I didn't plan this passage with the new year, I didn't even think about that. It's just a passage that's been on my heart. But this time of year, we're often looking for new things, right? We're looking at, all right, what are we going to do new this year? We want a new body. We want new this. We want new that. We want to change this, change that. But really, what we all need is to be a new creation. And that is not something we can do on our own. Verse 18 tells us, all this is from God. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, that you can do to make yourself a new creation. Only God does that saving work. From God, who through Christ, the work of Christ on the cross, reconciled us to himself. So being reconciled to God means we are now made right with God. One of my favorite verses is 1 John 1, 1.9. We confess our sins. He is just and faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we are made right with God. The Bible says that Jesus Christ on the cross was our propitiation. And I know that Zach studied that word with us here in the church. What that propitiation means is that not only did Jesus um, pay for our sins on the cross, not only did he just pay for it, he covered that debt for us, But it satisfied God's wrath against us. And many many people grew up with this just wrathful view of God, and God just, and He is wrathful towards sin. He is. But Jesus being the propitiation means that He satisfied that wrath of God against the sin in our lives. So now I can humbly come to God and view Him as my Father, as not a wrathful God looking to just judge me, but as my loving Father who loves me because I've put my faith in the work that His Son did. Y'all hearing me this morning? (laughs) All right. All right. It's from God who through Christ reconciled us to Himself. We are reconciled to God if we are in Christ, a new creation, the old's passed away, the new has come. And, verse 18, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We now carry the ministry of reconciliation. That same reconciliation that we received, if we are in Christ, being a new creation, we now carry that to those around us. What is the ministry of reconciliation? Verse 19, that is And Christ, God, was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So God reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them. I hear this a lot in Ecuador, and I know we hear it a lot in the U.S. too, and it's got to be worldwide, but so many people believe that they've just got to get themselves right before they can come to God. Even the my I think I shared on a Wednesday night that I had shared the gospel recently with my great aunt um, who I thought we were going to lose while we were in Costa Rica and I knew she wasn't a Christian, and I was able to see her a few weeks ago and I said we got we got to talk, I gotta know you know if if you, I thought I was going to lose you while we were gone, and if that were to happen, where would you be? Because I can't imagine heaven without you I want you I want you there." and she said, I know, i got to change some things. You know, i got to change some things. And it's like, no, that's not what the gospel is about. It's not about you changing some things and then coming before the Lord. It's about the Lord stirring in your heart and showing you that you need him to yourself. You need him more than anything. Because all of our good works, if we change all these things, the Bible says all those good works are like filthy rags. And the translation's even truly nastier than that right like it's filth, filthy rags before god those good works don't matter to him if we're not in christ he desires that more than anything he sent his son for it and so it doesn't matter where you are where you what you've done or what your past is there's no sin too great for god to forgive And there's no sin too little that doesn't need forgiveness. All sin needs and can be forgiven by God if confessed and repented. And we can be made new again. Amen? Amen. Verse 20 says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. Have you thought about that? what that really means to be an ambassador for Christ. This has really been driven home for us now having lived in a different country or we've lived in Costa Rica now, lived in Ecuador, um, and we're having to follow the ambassadors of the United States in our countries. We follow the embassies and we listen to the messages that they put out. We get security updates and security threats and all these things that are getting sent to us by the embassies and different contractors and things like that because we are United States citizens living in Ecuador. And the Ecuadorians see it, too, because there's no one my, my height that's an Ecuadorian. There's no one nowhere close to my size that's an Ecuadorian. We have, like, the only blonde girls in the province. You know, they all notice us, and they all, it, it, even there's a, another family serving with us from Canada. They think they're from the US, too, right? Like. Everybody who's white and blonde is from the U.S. is their, their thought. And so we're all ambassadors for the United States because everything, they watch us. Like we've, we've talked about we've been out to eat, and some of them will just sit there and stare at you and just watch you. And they're watching our behavior to see, you know, if the kids are acting up, you know, how am I going to, Discipline them, you know. Am I going to spank the kids? Am I not going to spank the kids? Am I going to get on to them? Am I going to make them sit down? Am I going to let them run around? You know, all of these things, right? <laughs> Elizabeth's anxiety is probably rising right now. Like, all of these things happen to us, and we see people watching us and see how, they, because they know we're not from there, and they know that we represent the United States. But more than that, we are ambassadors for Christ. Because as a Christian, as a new creation, as being born again, as having the imputed righteousness of Christ covering me, I'm a citizen of heaven. That citizenship is what matters more than being a citizen of the United States. And when they really get to know us, they understand that. We are there to be ambassadors for Christ in that group of people. And then they watch us even more, right? Because they want to see how... Christians Act. We are ambassadors for Christ. You are ambassadors for Christ in your circle, in your sphere of influence, wherever the Lord has you, in your job, in your workplace, wherever you are, wherever you're volunteering. Miss Kay, I think she'd volunteer somewhere almost every day, it seems like. We've had the privilege of living with them since we've been home. Um, great, great privilege. And, um, but wherever we're at, we are ambassadors for Christ. People are watching you and watching your behavior to see if that's something they want to be a part of, right? So feel that weight. Feel the gravity of that. Ambassador for Christ. And as ambassador, God, verse 20, making his appeal through us. Listen, God doesn't need us to share his gospel message, but he chooses to use us. What a privilege that is to be chosen by God to take his message to the world, to our neighbors across the street, our neighbors right beside us down the street, across town Abbeville, right here in Southside's community, South Carolina, the United States, North America, South America, the entire world. We are to take this message. God is making his appeal through us as Christians to the world. And Paul says, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning, you can be reconciled to God. You do not have to live in fear of God. You do not have to live in fear of death. Because when we're in Christ, we know that if we die, I'm going home to be with my Lord and Savior. I'm going to where my citizenship is. Amen? I hear Jeff, our field team leader, say sometimes, I'm not scared of death. I might be scared of the process of dying, but I'm not scared of death. What did Paul say? To live is Christ, to die is gain. Amen? In verse 21, For our sake he made him to be sin. On that cross, Jesus Christ became sin. Our sin. He took it all. Just the weightiness of that. That sin of every person. Past, present, future. It was enough. He said it was finished. He became sin who knew no sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There is nothing we can do to add to the work of the cross. To be in Christ. Nothing we can do to add to that. That's a huge part of, of, of the Catholic faith. And that's what we face a lot in Ecuador is when people, they can go out and do what they want to during the week because they can just go to a confession booth at the church. They can confess it all to the priest. He can tell them what they need to do to atone for those things. They can do those things and might just be praying some Hail Marys or whatever the the priest tells them they need to do, and then they're okay. And then they can do their sinful behaviors again the next week because they know they're just going to go back to confession. And then they're covered again because the priest told them they were. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says only in Christ, through through faith, by grace, are we saved. And we are not adding anything to the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. He said, it is finished. To add stuff is to say that the cross was not sufficient. And there is no hope in that. No hope in that. There's no hope in me. There's no hope in me if it's up to me to save myself. No hope in that. But I am so thankful that the Lord chose to stir my heart, to change that heart of stone into a heart of flesh so that I could see my need for him, my need to repent, my need to change my ways that can only be done after submitting to him. And him giving me a new heart, making me a new creation, giving me new desires, making me desire his word other than things of the world. So thankful that the Lord has done that in my life. And he's not done that in your life. He can do that. And this is the message that we're taking to Ecuador. And so, Matt, I'll jump into those pictures. Um, This has kind of been our journey. And just to remind you, we started our support raising journey um, in March of 2022, went to our agency and said, hey, and many of you have heard this, I know, but there's a lot of new faces in here. But we went to our agency and said, hey, we want to be in Costa Rica in August. And our agency said, wow, that's fast. You know, the, like we're, we're not going to limit the power of the Lord and what the Lord can do, but you're talking about raising support in five months, and it usually takes a year and a half to two years to make this happen. Well, by God's grace, your support, your prayers, the prayers of many other churches and supporters, um, it happened. We raised every bit of our support, or I should say the Lord raised every bit of our support in about four months' time. And we were in Costa Rica in August of 2022. And so we had to go to Costa Rica to learn the language. And I'm so grateful that y'all get to be a part of this journey because it's so encouraging to us. But also, everybody gets to learn us included, what it really takes to get missionaries on the field, like the, the nitty-gritty work of the training and the learning, the emotional ups and downs and everything that it takes to get missionaries on the field. Um, but in this picture here, this was our uh, first day of our first trimester in Costa Rica, Elizabeth and I. So there were three trimesters that we had to had to do for school, um, and this was our first day. You could see that we're um, smiling and excited and happy, and kind of um, naive to what's coming. Um, and so, we're just ready to go at this point. We've maybe been living there for a week or two when this started. And then we go to the next photo here, and this is the kids' school. So, if you can see that well, yeah, can y'all see that good enough? That good? Um, so, this is the kids' school, and uh, we were in the same campus, uh, which was such a blessing. Um, But they went to a bilingual Costa Rican private Christian school. They were taught the Bob Jones um, curriculum there at that that school. And um, they had half their subjects taught by a teacher in English and half their subjects taught by a teacher in Spanish. And so you can imagine how difficult that was for us, especially in the beginning. Elizabeth and I are trying to learn the language. We live in a place where we don't know the language. We don't know where to buy groceries. We don't... We don't know how to do all of this stuff. We don't have a car. Uh, so you're trying to figure out the Uber system to get around and where do you get everything. Um, so it was, it was a little bit of a challenge. And then our kids would come home from school and say, hey, our math, we have math homework. And we would have homework ourselves. And our kids would come home and say, our math homework is all in Spanish. We don't know how to do it. And so then we would have to sit down with Google Translate and try to figure out how to translate their pages for them and then leave them to their homework. Um, so it was just huge <laughs> We were exhausted at the end of every day. I was just completely exhausted. Um, But by the end, they were doing all of their stuff on their own in Spanish. Um, And, you know, the Lord just really used that year um, to grow us. The next photo um, we have here, one of the things, if y'all remember, we prayed for was to find a church that we could be a part of and serve in while we were there and worship with uh, it was really difficult in the beginning because we didn't have the language, and we're visiting churches, so you're not, you're, you're trying to figure out, okay, did I think he said what he said? Because if that's what he said, that was heresy. It's not a church I want to be a part of, or did, did I hear that right? You know, it's, it was really difficult to just find a good, solid biblical church, um, and we asked for y'all to pray for that, and y'all did pray for that, and many other people prayed for that, and we found this church um, right across from our school, walking distance from our house. Um, It's a Baptist church, it's supported by uh, many Southern Baptist churches, and they have a crisis pregnancy center inside of their um, place, and it just happened to be um, a place that had an ultrasound machine and was looking for somebody to help them with their ultrasound, and Elizabeth is an ultrasound tech. So um, it was just a a, a God-sent church. So we got plugged into there, and this is a picture of Elizabeth helping make tamales. So tamales is a traditional Uh, Christmas food in Costa Rica Uh, and it's a a, just a big like social event it takes hours to make these things they cook the food down and all this stuff take these uh, banana leaves and roll them up and um, it's just a huge huge process but Elizabeth um, is standing there learning how to make these tamales and they're very very specific these elderly Costa Rican ladies were very specific about how we made these tamales they would come out and say no you only put three peas in the tamale you don't put because we just like scoop some in there, scoop some in there, you work down the production line. You know, you no know, three peas per tamale, but the carrot has to go on first, and then the peas could go. You know, it was just super, super specific. Um, it was kind of like their trademark of how how they did things. But we were definitely diving in and trying to learn the culture as best as we could. And then the next photo you see here is a, a, um, Cadence. I almost said Elizabeth. Uh, Cadence. Um, we were serving in a uh, medical clinic, uh, had gotten to know a physician in Costa Rica, um, and he called and asked said that had a team of physicians coming from the University of Buffalo that were coming down to do this free clinic, and they needed some help. So he called me and asked if I would come help serve a little bit. They needed some medical help. Um, I wasn't quite up to par with translating or anything yet, and so went and did some medical skills for him. but I took cadence with me. She was keeping the kids uh, entertained here in the the waiting area. Um, And you could kind of see the street through the gate in the corner of that photo. Um, The street was like this. We were on the side of a mountain, super steep. Kids were playing soccer on this street. And you didn't want to be the kid that missed the ball because then it went all the way to the bottom. And then everybody had to run down and get it and run back up. Um, And then also you could kind of see there's a little hole there next to that street. And that was the drainage system. And we later found out that was where um, the sewage drained through there, and, you know, the ball would go in there constantly. and It was just, um, that's the conditions that they, they live in there. Um, so they were super, super grateful to get this free clinic. The free clinic actually supported um, another missionary family that's serving that community specifically. So it helped them to serve that community by bringing that uh, free clinic there. So in our next photo here we'll have, that's the community there, if you can see that well enough. That was the community we were in with the free clinic serving. Next photo. All right, so you can kind of tell here, this is the first day of our second trimester at language school. And I have a little bit more gray hair in this picture. I don't know if you could tell that. I'm a little bit, just a little bit thinner in this picture. But stress will do that to you. Eating at places that you didn't know you shouldn't eat at would do that to you. Um, So I lost a little bit of weight in Costa Rica. Um, but this was the first day of our second trimester and we go on to the next next photo there And this was some of the the kids friends um, they were also missionary kids so these kids um, are from south korea and one thing that we did not realize until we had gone here to this school was that south korea has one of the largest missionary sending churches in the world um, and so there was three South Korean families there with us, but this family we connected really well with. It was just a struggle because in the beginning, they didn't know Spanish or English, and we didn't know Spanish or Korean, and so we couldn't really communicate, but you, we could feel each other's hearts, and we could tell that each family really had a love for Christ, and um, maybe we just connected. It, it's, it's hard to explain how you can connect so easily with somebody you can't communicate with, other than the Holy Spirit connecting us. Um, But we connected really well. And in my first, um, probably second month there maybe, there about second or third month there, I ended up getting a parasite. And um, I got super, super sick. And I had, um, I was in the bed for like a week and just really, really dehydrated and called one of my Costa Rica paramedic buddies that I had met and say, hey man, please come give me an IV. I need some fluids. And he's like, no, you need to go to the ER. And I was like, no, I'm not going to the ER. Like, just come give me some fluid. He wouldn't do it. I was so sick. Um, And this guy, when I finally got better, somebody gave me some, somebody clued in that I had a parasite and gave me some anti-parasitic meds and I got better. But um, when I went back to school, the father of these kids came up to me, and again, he didn't know any English, And we were just starting to scratch the surface on Spanish, right? Like learn the alphabet and some emotions kind of thing. And he came up to me and he said in English, I prayed for you. He took the time to learn how to say I prayed for you in English to let me know, to encourage me as a brother in Christ and let me know that he was praying for me while I was gone. And that just broke my heart and meant the world to me. And just, man, I almost started crying and gave him a big hug, you know, just Awesome, awesome. But it just goes to show the intentionality that if we are intentional in encouraging one another how far that can go. Um, but also during that week, I think I've shared with some of you that that was one of my low points in Costa Rica during that week of being sick because I remember laying there and just feeling awful. It was just, it was terrible. And I remember thinking, wow, I'm looking out the window. All I see is red tin roofs. We're in the city, San Jose, Costa Rica. We're in the city, the capital city of Costa Rica. And all I can see is red tin roofs. And I'm thinking, man, I want to be home. I want to be home in my bed in Abbeyville, looking out my window, seeing my kids running around the yard, jumping on the trampoline, the neighborhood kids that be there that were always there. You know, they could be out there playing. I could still be sick, but I wanted to be in my bed in my house looking out my comfort spot, Right? And I just started working through these questions with the Lord and asking, okay, is what we're doing worth it? Is this worth it? And ultimately that boiled down to, is Christ worthy? And He is. He is worthy. And the Lord just worked in my heart during that while I was throwing myself a little pity party laying there feeling terrible. He just worked in my heart and completely just worked on my perception. Because this year in Costa Rica was not just a year of learning language and culture. It was a year of spiritual formation as well, as the Lord was preparing us for our next steps to Ecuador. Um, But that was just a huge moment where it was a turning point for me of like, all right, Christ is worthy. We're going to go through some really hard things, and we we have gone through some really hard things. But Christ is worthy, and there are people who are waiting to hear the gospel message, this message of reconciliation that the Lord sends us to share it with, and going through the hard things are worth it because Christ is worthy. Or the next, next picture. This is one of our uh, Venezuelan family friends that we met in the park. Um, the, the boy there, Lena against the Table, um, befriended Altman. His name is Reynaldo. Um, Reynaldo, we never played soccer. Like, soccer was not a big thing for me growing up. I, know, I still don't know anything about playing soccer. Um, Altman had never played it. And so we get to Costa Rica, and that's, like, I think they come out of the womb with a soccer ball. You know, like, they just, that's all they do is play soccer. And Reynaldo loved it. He's, again, from Venezuela. Um, but he loved it. And he took Altman, whereas many other boys didn't want to do this, he took Altman under his wing and started teaching him how to play soccer and was very patient and kind to Altman. We just grew really close with that family um, and but this is another way that we were learning culture because they would always invite us over to their birthday parties so this was us at their birthday party um, and we learned at those that w- you do not leave until they sing happy birthday and cut the cake and it's probably going to be around 11 o'clock at night <laughs> so you, you get invited over around 5 or 6 and you just be prepared to stay You <laughs> know, you just stay and so we would sit there knowing we had school the next morning and Just grin and bear it and then try to enjoy ourselves. And we did. We enjoyed ourselves, but those were late nights for us. (laughs) Oh, and one thing about that family, I was just speaking with them this week, and um, they just got approved. They got refugee status to come to the United States. So they are actually going to be coming here. I I don't know how this entire process, they were trying to give me some details, but um, I guess the U.S. tells them where they will go and when they will go. And so um, they're waiting to get those details, but they will be coming to the United States. <laughs> but they were a tremendous family to us. They, um, they were not uh, Christians, and we, we were able to get them to go to church with us. We were trying to connect them to long-term discipleship folks because uh, we knew we were leaving. Um, and so we were able to at least get them connected to the church that we attended. Um, back in March, I believe it was, of this year, I was able to leave the family in Costa Rica. My in-laws came down and stayed with the family. And I went to Ecuador with the Tactica Global Ministries team that we partner with to minister to the police officers. And this is a picture of that trip. And this is our small group. So during that training, we break out in small groups, and we discuss the scriptures. We discuss what's going on in their lives, and we discuss a lot of things. Um, But out of this small group, um, you can see there's two guys, kind of the top right, that are facing towards the speaker. Um, and two guys on that end together Those two guys came to Christ um, In that training And we came I think we ended up around Six or seven that came to Christ In that whole training um, So the Lord was, was gracious During that training to us And the next photo This is a, a picture of Altman's tr- school uh, this, So the kids while they were in school They took, you've heard of here English, English as a second language classes Right, help teach people who don't speak English how to speak English in school. Well, our kids took SSL, which is Spanish as a second language, and so that was one of their courses, and in that course they didn't just learn the language, they learned the culture, so they learned how to cook. So in this picture, Altman, you're cooking platanos, right? Plantains? Yeah, he's cooking plantains in that that picture, Um, and they were really tasty. In the next photo we got, uh, this was in Colombia, Um, So every 90 days, we had to leave Costa Rica because of our visas. We were only allowed to be in the country for 90 days. We'd have to leave and come back. Well, one of those 90-day trips, uh, we flew to Colombia, uh, to Bogota. And then from there, we were um, picked up and driven out to a seminary that our agency, ABWE, has in Bogota. And we stayed um, at that seminary for like three or four days. And we got to go worship with this church in one of the cities there Um, one of the outlying cities and the the girl on the keyboard and I don't think her husband's in the picture but they have been helping this church and her husband's been developing leaders and one of the I can't remember which guy but one of those guys up there uh, was just ordained as the pastor of that church Um, so now they now have national leadership of that church um, and they're going to be moving to help another church to grow as well Um, but that that was one experience that we got in uh, Colombia, And the next photo shows you a little bit of what that city looked like. This was a view from out the window uh, of that church. We were just a little second floor room um, in that church. And then next photo. This is my mom. She came to visit once and um, we got to celebrate her birthday while we were there. But I include this in there just to say that just like the Brooks did not every trip to us has to be, like, an intense week of ministry or short-term missions trip. Just coming to encourage the missionaries that you support is a missions trip, too. And it was just, it was always great when we had visitors. Elizabeth's parents came two or three times, my mom came once, and the Brooks family came. And I was telling with, uh, I think I was sharing this with Matt Trainer this morning, but when the Brooks came, we had a lot of other missionaries' families that were at the school with us that said, wow, they came to see y'all. And they're like, yeah, they did. Because some of the other missionary families had supporters come through that were vacationing in Costa Rica and would make a stop and have dinner with them or something. And then they would go on to their resort. But the Brooks family came and stayed with us and fellowshiped with us and was there to visit us. And so the other missionary family was like, wow, how blessed you are that people came to Costa Rica for you, you know, and, and so we were really greatly blessed by that, and um, so that's why I include that in there, just to say that's, that's a part of missionary care, and we, we appreciate you guys, because y'all sent letters with them, you sent so much stuff with them, and we just sat around and read them and cried, and we thank y'all so much for that support. In the next picture, we have our last first day of Spanish classes, so starting the third trimester, so you can see here, I have even more gray hair and have lost a little bit more weight um, and Elizabeth's excited to, to finish the, the, the year, the trimester to get started so we can finish and my brain is just blown. Uh, learning a new language is not easy. <laughs> it, we would walk out of class with our minds just blown every day. We, we would lock eyes because we weren't always in the same class. And so we'd come out of class, and we'd turn and lock eyes with each other, and we could immediately know how that class just went. Because you know, like, we would just lock eyes and go, okay, I'm done. I'm, I can't think anymore. You know, it's just, It was really, really difficult. But the Lord gave us grace and helped us to continue each and every day. And so the next photo we have, um, where we're just diving more into the culture there. This was a school, um, school event. Uh, cultural event, and we put on some Costa Rican um, traditional, um, what's the word, clothes? (laughs) (laughs) Costa Rican traditional, (laughs) a little bit of Spanish swirling in there this morning. Um, When you look at that, your brain wants to go back to that. Um, Costa Rican traditional clothes, and uh, did some traditional dancing and things like that, so we, we were able to learn a lot about the culture there. In the next photo here, we have... All right, so this is where we transitioned to Ecuador. So we were in Costa Rica for exactly 365 days. We left there on August 15th and flew to Ecuador. And this is our church family in Ecuador who I can't wait for y'all to come meet. Like these people in this picture right here, you can put a team together and come to Ecuador to serve and meet the people in this picture and worship with us in that church. But this is our church family in Ecuador um, one of the amazing things is that it's probably 50% Ecuadorian and 50% Venezuelan. So when we showed up behind all the people there, they have a big spread of food out on the table and they the Venezuelans are like, you probably don't know about this food, but this is typical Venezuelan food. And we're like, oh no, arepas. And we just started calling them off. And they're like, how do you know that? We're like, our best friends in Costa Rica were actually Venezuelan. You know, so the Lord just knew how to prepare us, um, for Ecuador, um, and, so This 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 is our church there. we When we left that last Sunday, I think there were maybe close to 60 people in attendance on that Sunday, but on an average day, we're probably closer to 25 or 30 people in attendance, but um, it's a growing church. Like I said, we're praying for someone to come in and uh, take over, a national person, take over the leadership. We want it to be more Ecuadorian ran and us just assisting them, um, but they just got to get to that point and um, it's all in the Lord's timing. We know he has a plan. But uh, can you go to the next photo there? Yeah, so this is our team. So we're working together in the church. So you, on this day, we were actually celebrating my birthday. Um, and then to the uh, on the right side of the screen is the Cranenberg family. They're there for two years with us. They arrived two weeks after us, so they still have almost all of their two years to go. And they're from Canada um, and they're there helping support the church, but they're also doing a sports ministry. Um, so they're there with us. And then on the left side of the screen is Jeff Duval, our team leader, who uh, leads the entire team in Ecuador. We have other teammates in other parts of Ecuador, um, but he leads the entire team and leads that church plant. This is his second church plant. The first church was in Quito, the capital, and it's going strong now, completely national uh, led, and somewhere around, I think, 200 members in that church now, and it's just uh, thriving and doing well um, i'm sorry <laughs> that one no we didn't we did Sammy asked if we partied till eleven o'clock at my birthday party, and no that was uh we did that uh American style and we were probably in bed by nine so <laughs> um, all right, the next picture. So these, these photos that I'm showing you here is just so that you could see the relationships we've already started developing in Ecuador. We've only got two and a half months there, and in that two and a half months, we found a home, uh, we figured out the banking system. I had to go to the bank like four times, because every time I showed up with my stuff, they'd say, nope, that's not the right stuff, and i said, but it's the list that you gave me, that you wrote everything down, it's right here, and everything matches, and they're like, yeah, but that list is wrong. It, it just... You, we have a saying that what you think is happening in Latin America is not what's actually happening so we we have to be flexible and and it's just a struggle to figure things out sometimes but after that fourth trip I finally had a bank account in Ecuador and we were able to pay bills and do things like that um so in two and a half months we got a lot of things done but we also started developing relationships and you can see Rayleigh in this picture I bet you can't figure out which one she is <laughs> right so you can see Rayleigh in this picture this is actually in our neighborhood. So these little girls are all in our neighborhood. Um, and what we have figured it out is that during the day when these girls are running around, there's a, we've seen women chasing them around. Um, and we thought that was their parents, but come to find out, they're all babysitters. Um, and what maybe the parents are working. Um, but we've already started um, thinking through, well, what can we do ministry with these little kids that Rayleigh is wanting to bring to our house? And if you guys have uh, seen... Uh, Ms. Jana Davis has that trailer that she takes around with books. I'm not sure exactly where all she takes and what she does with it, but we saw her with that trailer one day, and one of the kids ran in and ran back out with a book of daily devotionals in Spanish for kids. And Ms. Jana said, take it with you. And so we're going to take it back to Ecuador and pray over starting some kind of kid devotional with these kids in our home um, in Ecuador. Um, but yeah, Rayleigh loves playing with these little girls. And this is Altman, and you know we, you guys did such a tremendous job of when we got ready to leave of realizing that we were going as a family unit to serve in Ecuador, that it was not just me and Elizabeth going to be missionaries and dragging our kids with us. The the kids may have felt that at some time, Um, but that we you were sending all of us for all of us to be missionaries, and you equipped the kids with things to use to be able to share the gospel. Um, But one of the things that Altman used in this picture was his bicycle. This little boy in our neighborhood said he did not know how to ride a bike, so Altman said, hey, I'll teach you. So he gets his bike, and he's um, showing this little boy how to ride a bike, and Altman comes back all excited, and he said, daddy, I asked him if he knew who Jesus was, you know, and so the saying that we have is that they're not missionary kids, they're kids who are missionaries, and so... We, we involve them as much as we can and encourage them as much as we can to be active for the gospel um, in Ecuador. And that can be same true for all children, no matter where you're located. It could be on mission for the gospel. In the next photo. So this is one of the Venezuelan families in our church in Ecuador. Um, they were teaching us how to make arepas, which is like a, a sack of... Um, What's the flour? Corn? corn, yes. Thank you. Corn flour. <laughs> I couldn't remember if it was yuko or corn. But corn flour, and they showed us how to make the dough and make the balls and then how to cook it. And then they fill it with goodies like meats and cheeses and beans and rice and whatever you want to put in there. And and you just it's a good, you know, just hand meal, I guess you would say, food, hand food or something. I don't know. What do you call that? Hand Hot food. Pocket. Hot pocket. There you go. But yeah, it's great, great time spending time with them, um, learning more about the culture. Um, and next photo. This is Jessie. Jessie is in our church in Ecuador, but she is spiritually hungry and desiring to learn more. Um, and she's just really taken to Elizabeth. And Jeff, our team leader, has been excited to see that because he said she has really needed someone in her life to help her and to disciple her. Um, and They've been trying, and they've been trying, but no one's been able to really connect with her that well when Elizabeth connected with her so quickly, so much so that on our last full day at our home in Ecuador, um, Jesse had just had gallbladder surgery where they'd taken out her gallbladder. They did not do it laparoscopic. They did it where they cut her open and took it out, and you know the, the recovery on that is very painful and can take a long time. And, um, but Jesse wanted to be sure that she saw Elizabeth before we left, and so she hopped on two different buses and walked to be able to get to our house and sat there for four hours with Elizabeth before, before we left. So um, I was running around picking, trying to get the house together and all these things, the stuff that I knew Elizabeth would have been doing if we wouldn't have had a guest. Um, we tried to get those done so that she could just spend time with Jesse, but Jesse is just waiting for us to get back because she wants to pour uh, more into Elizabeth and learn more with her, so we're praying over this relationship um, that we'll be able to help her as well. She's, she's unwed with two, two kids, right, two little girls, um, and, um, we've been to a birthday party in their home, and, um, very minimal means, very minimal living, um, so, yeah, we're just, um, really praying for this relationship. In the next photo, you'll see another relationship we're praying for. This is Oscar and his girlfriend, and they're her two boys, um, in this picture, but they, Oscar is a firefighter in Salinas, which is where we're at in Ecuador, in Salinas, um, and he's like one of those really informal leaders, like he doesn't hold a title, but everybody kind of follows what he does, and he's able to rally the troops kind of thing, right, but he's not a Christian, um, we've, we've tried to get him to come to church, and he said no, but the, um, we've had them at our house to hang out, and he's just become good friends with me, and we really connect really well and really easily, and Um, he has, so the last time they were at our house, uh, we talked about them coming to the house for a Bible study, and just, we could grill out and do things together, um, and he was like, yeah, I'll do that. So I was like, all right. So they're waiting on us, and they keep asking, when are you coming back? Um, So they're waiting on us to get back so that we can begin the Bible study with this family um, in our home, and we're excited to do that. Um, Because obviously they need the Lord, um, but I just keep imagining what if the Lord would, do if he could get a hold of Oscar, already being an informal leader in the department that he's in and what he could do for Christ through that department. So much more, so much faster than this big gringo could do, speaking very broken Spanish. Um, So we were praying for this relationship. In the next photo, Uh, this was on National Firefighter's Day in Ecuador, so we took off to a fire department um, in a little fishing village, probably 15, 20 minutes from our house. And when we uh, got there, we were sharing with them about some of the police training that we had done. And the uh, firefighter said, we need this training. And we were like, well, this training is meant more for an active shooter type situation. You know, and um, so it kind of is catered more toward the, towards the police. Well, they said, no, 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 we need this training. They're like, come here. So they take me outside of this fire station that we're at. And they show me up on the walls, there's bullet holes all in the side of this fire department. Well, come to find out, they share that building with the police departments right beside them. And the drug cartels, which are really heavy in Ecuador now, run drugs through this fishing port. And so they will pull up and just spray bullets at the the police station and get the fire department while they're there and letting them know, this is our town, we own it, keep your head down. And so these guys are like, look, if something happens out here, nobody's coming to us. And they're like, we need this training. And I was like, right, (laughs) you do need this training. So we are hopefully going to bring them some tactical medical training. But through the training is how we develop the relationships, it's how we're sharing the gospel, and it's how we're doing discipleship. So um, this is one unique opportunity that we have. So the next photo, this was at our last Tactica training, which was back in September. A team of officers from the states came down. Uh, We trained... Somewhere around 55 police officers and active shooter threats, and how to handle active shooter situations, and then we also taught them tactical medicine. Um, so our family served all together. The kids jumped on their their homeschool work early in the morning, get, got it done, and then would come out and be a part of the training with us and as much as they could. Altman was being loaded into a helicopter on a, a stretcher, and like I mean, just wherever we could plug them in, you know, they'd say, well, we need a victim for this. I said, go get my son. (laughs) And they would like, yes, and they would take off and go get him. He loved it. Um, One day I said, go get my wife. And then they took off and snagged her, you know. Um, So we try to be a part of it as a family as much as we can. In the next photo you'll see, this was that same training. The guy in the middle, his name is um, Franklin. Uh, Franklin. Was in my small group during uh, this last training, and I could just tell in one of the small group meetings that the Lord was working in his heart. You could tell that something was on his mind. He needed somebody to talk to, and I said, "Franklin, you want to go out and talk alone?" And he said, "Yeah, I do." So we went out and we talked, and I just asked him without asking any leading questions. I just asked him, "Franklin, what's on your heart? Tell me what's going on, man. You know." And so he just started opening up, and he's like, "Man, I know I need Jesus. I know I'm a sinner." And I know I need Jesus. And he just kept telling me things and telling me things. And I said, okay, so what do you want to do? And because he'd heard the gospel, we'd been sharing it. And he said, I want to accept Christ and I want to follow him. And I said, all right, how are you going to do that? And he said, I guess I'm just going to pray. <laughs> and I was like, that's it, brother. <laughs> that's all you got to do. And so. It, he, he, I didn't lead him in the prayer. He just prayed his own prayer. We tell him, like, there's no magical words, right? You just talk to God. You just tell him what's on your heart. You tell him that you are a sinner, that you know that, that you're repenting from it, and that you're accepting um, the work of Christ on the cross, and you're going to follow him. And so he did that all in his own words and just prayed this most heartfelt sinner's prayer that I've heard in a long time, and, and then you could just watch the weight just fall right off, just fell right off, and then he got all excited, and that's his son on his shoulders, and he said, I got to go home and get my son, and I'm going to bring him back, because he needs to hear what you're telling us, and so he ran, and got his son, and came back, um, and this was just one of our, the rest are all instructors, but this is one, of our, and, and Altman, and um, this is one of our group photos with Franklin, but just to, Great, great testimony. In that training, we had another about eight police officers come to Christ. Um, so it was a, it was a great um, training. So next slide. So what is our future outlook? So our most immediate need is our visas. We, tomo- a week from tomorrow, we'll be in Atlanta um, at our visa appointment at the Ecuadorian consulate um, trying to get our visas to go back to ecuador so please 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 pray for that it was a ton of paperwork ton of stuff that went into that um, just a lot a lot of work um, mr sammy helped me out with a lot of that rode with me to greenville did some notary stuff for me and things like that um, just a lot of work so we're praying that we walk in with all these papers that it's all right and it's not like it was in ecuador with my banking and they said no you got to come back four more times we're praying we can walk in and walk out with visas, um, but we know the Lord's timing is perfect. So please pray with us in that. Uh, but when we do get back to Ecuador, our plan as soon as we get those visas, we're trying to go back as quick as possible. Is we're ready to go back. All these relationships we just shared with you, we're ready to dive right back into those relationships and, and get going with the ministry. Um, but when we get there, we've got to buy a car. We don't have a car yet, so we're we're looking for a car. Uh, we're going to be looking for some storage opportunities. Uh, There's a fire department in Greenville, Bowling Springs Fire Department up on Pelham Road in Greenville. Um, They have started a nonprofit where they ship things overseas, used fire gear and things like that, as humanitarian aid to other countries. And they do it through the Air Force, and it doesn't cost a dime to anybody. And so um, they have crates and crates of used fire gear. And that chief told me, um, you can have all of this. And he said, I'll ship it all to you. And he was going to work out all the logistics through the Air Force and get it all to us. And that would help us, right, in Ecuador to be able to develop relationships with the local firefighters that we're trying to reach. Um, And we hope to bring some teams down and things like that uh, to help train them in those things as well. Uh, But I have nowhere to put any of that right now. But I was like, hey, send what you want to send and we'll just start praying and we'll figure it out um, if we can get it there. Um, so, also, we're going to be begin, beginning Bible studies with the people that we just shared with you, doing discipleship with them. Um, the Geesbrecht family is a family in Canada that the Lord just connected all of us, and he is a flight paramedic from Canada. And for those of you who don't know me, that was my, my job before going to Ecuador as a flight paramedic. And he's a flight paramedic in Canada. His wife's a UR ER nurse, and they are looking at potentially coming in and serving with us full time. And so they're coming the first week of. February to do what we call a survey trip where they look at what we're doing and see if that's something they want to be a part of we want to mobilize teams to come serve so that is (laughs) y'all we would love to see a team from Southside come down and serve and worship with us where we're at and see the ministry we know that we're at the very infancy level of um, starting the ministry but even still we guys are ready come on and we will we will put you to work doing something um, we're going to mobilize teams of first responders. I already have uh, one city of Greenville firefighter uh, who's trying to put together a team. He wants to come down, and solid guy, has a degree in ministry, has served in ministry, and wants to bring a team of firefighters to, to serve there, and we'll be hopefully doing more of that. Um, we're networking with other missionaries. Uh, just this week, I've been communicating with an IMB missionary that's uh, on the northern coast from us, probably... I'm not sure, maybe three or four hours from us. Um, But they actually reached out to us and wanted to network. We were sharing what our ministries were, and they said they loved our ministry model, and they have found that teaching job skills and things that are relatable to people have been one of the best ways to minister um, where we're at. So they want to partner with us and work more closely together as best as we can. Um, And it also helps us because those police ministries that you saw that we do, some of these guys who come to Christ or have more questions don't live near us but they might live near that other missionary family. And so we can connect them so that they can receive more discipleship through that. Um, We're going to continue to partner with Tactica Global. We've got to continue growing in our language. We're waiting to see when we get back just how much we've lost being here these couple months. Um, We had grown really well living in Latin America for almost a year and a half, um, but it does not take long to lose it. Um, so we've been trying to do lingo, and almost anywhere we go we see somebody that looks like they might speak Spanish. We're like, hola, 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 <laughs> you know, we're like chasing them down, you know, <laughs> do you speak Spanish? We want to talk in Spanish, you know, so we're trying to keep our skills together, um, but yeah, it's, um, we've, we've got to grow in language. And one of our neighbors that we met right before leaving in our neighborhood used to live in Arizona and Utah and taught Spanish in universities for over 20 years, and wanted to become friends with us because he obviously saw that we were Americans. And he's Nicaraguan, he's, but his wife is Ecuadorian, and they live there now. And um, he said, yeah. I said, dude, can we pay you to, like, tutor us a little bit? And he said, just pray for me, and that'll be enough. And uh, I said, all right, so we're going to build that relationship so he can help us to continue to grow in our Spanish. We do ask for prayers that he is Mormon, and when, when we tell people in Ecuador, when they ask what we're doing, we'll say, we're missionaries, and they go, oh, you're Mormon, that's the first thought every time, because the Mormons are everywhere, I'm telling you, they are everywhere, the big cities, the small cities, you go out into the country, they've got a church there, they are everywhere, and so they automatically, when they hear missionary, they think Mormon, Um, so this guy, I, I can almost bet you he's looking at me like I'm looking at him like, hey, maybe we can share Christ with him. And he's probably thinking, I'm going to share Mormonism with him. <laughs> but um, we look forward to the friendship. And I do pray that the Lord would, would stir in his heart because he's not going to convince me otherwise. Because this, this is where the power is, right? The power the power's in the word. And I trust that if we engage in those conversations and we stick to what the word says, the power is in this, and the will not return void, and the Lord will work in his heart as well. Um, but sorry, I know I went a little late. This, this has been a really difficult year and a half for us, but man, the Lord has just blessed it tremendously. And we've only been able to do it by the support and prayers of y'all and the many other churches and supporters. But obviously, Southside has a special place in our heart, this being our church home we've been sent out of Um, and so thank y'all so much for everything. Um, and I'm going to close this out in prayer. Father, we love you. Lord, I, I, I love you more than I can even explain, but Lord, you know my heart, you know how much I love you. And Lord, I pray that we love other people the way that you would have us love other people. Help us to see them the way that you would have us to see them. Lord, break our hearts for what breaks yours. God, I pray that when I look at other people, no matter what their their race is or their language or background, nationality, Lord, that I would just see them as a brother or sister in Christ or a potential brother or sister in Christ. And Lord, may my heart be moved to share the greatest news in the world with them. Lord, just... I pray for Southside Baptist Church, Lord. I pray for them as they are getting ready to start their pastoral search. Lord, I pray that the hearts of the church members here are geared towards giving you the greatest glory. Lord, that we would find the person to come lead this church that is going to point them to you and you only. Lord, that a person that their heart cries out for you and you only. For a person that is humble, For a person that is driven, God, and someone that is theologically sound, that knows the scriptures well, and Lord, someone that knows that they have to rely on you. For you tell us in John 15, 5, that apart from Christ, we can do nothing. So Lord, may we as a church, Lord, may we as a church keep that in mind, that apart from you, we can do nothing. We can't even begin the pastoral search. Lord, without coming to you first. So, God, may we always come to you in prayer. May we always desire the things of you. And, Lord, you will guide everything. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen.